Okay, hello, good evening, and welcome to another edition of the BCSN Sports Wrap. Brian Fulford, AD Drew here, live and direct. Uh, some of us are in our home studios. Others of us are uh, on assignment, but finding a way to get the job done and doing a little double duty today. Drew, which one of us is in the home studio? Which one of us is doing double duty today, my friend? I can't hear you. Can't hear you. You got to make sure you unmi- unmute yourself. Oh, considering I don't have my Black Wall Street poster behind me, uh, I would vote that I was the one that is on the road. I am on assignment in Montgomery, Alabama, getting some things prepared for the Tyson Foods Black College World Series that will be Tipping off in well, first pitch will be in eleven days, Ryan. I think what would have gave that away is as soon as you came on, you sounded highly digitized, and so uh, yes, Drew is not at home where he has the <laughs> inner makings of his normal home studio setup. He sounds highly digitized, so uh, Drew uh, and and if he is. Uh, uh, and I'm on my iPad instead of uh, with my normal equipment. Yes, yes. So obviously, Drew powering through um, on this episode. So I, I think that was the dead giveaway. That was the giveaway the minute you unmuted your your mic there that uh, you were on assignment. So uh, appreciate you uh, uh, filling in, doing double duty. Um, and and uh, shout out to. Uh, you know, actually, we're 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 getting this done without our uh, our 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 lead producer, our CEO, who's uh, taking some time for himself on assignment. Also on assignment. <laughs> yeah, taking some personal time. So uh, good for him. Uh, maybe maybe I'll get an opportunity to uh, to do that as well sometime soon. But, uh, and hey, also, it's the beginning of Teachers Appreciation Week. So, hey, happy Teacher Appreciation Week, Drew, to you. Uh, I'm going to pat myself and say and also happy. to you. Yes, sir. And to all of the teachers and educators out there in America, it's your week. And hopefully your, your students uh, show you some love. And anybody else who's out there, if you have a child uh, who are in school, make sure you show that teacher that uh, at your school, show them some love this week. 
Uh, doesn't have to be a whole lot. Every little bit helps. Uh, you know, whether it be a gift card, a cup of coffee, something or other, but anything that you can do to uh, to help show some love to your teachers. It's Teacher Appreciation Week, so give give the teachers some love this week. Uh, and uh, hey, um, want to thank you guys for watching us. If you're watching us out on YouTube or on Facebook. Please make sure to go ahead and hit that like button. Go ahead and make sure you're subscribed to the Jericho Broadcast Networks and the Black College Sports Network. Uh, make sure you're following us on our social media pages at MyBCSN1, the number one. And so already my producers, uh, my producer slash co-host has, uh, has left me out on the island here as he's trying to sort through some technical things, I'm sure. But uh, coming up a little bit later at the top of hour two, Brandon B.J. Jones is going to be joining us, and we'll get a chance to get his take and his thoughts on the 2022 NFL Draft. Four HBCU players were drafted, uh, all of them on day number four. Uh, Many of the names were the names that we sort of expected. There were a few names that were not drafted. Last week, maybe even the week before, we were sort of setting an unofficial line at four and a half. And the question we kept putting out there is, would more or less than four and a half players be drafted? Basically, what we're saying is, would there be five or more or four or less? And I think most people were optimistic that there would be five. And I think if you look at the the names that we consistently saw on the mock drafts, you had names like Jacoby Durant, Joshua Williams, Marquise Bell, Jatyree Carter. Um, you also had um, James Houston, a name that, that popped up in a lot of people's boards. And, and there were a few other names. Uh, some guys, of course, Aquil Glass, um, some other names that popped up, but there were only four guys that got drafted. And, and look, considering the past two years, there was one. I mean, you actually had a year where none were drafted, and then I think that was 2020, if I'm not mistaken. In 2021, there was one player drafted. Four is progress. So as miffed, frustrated, confused, shocked, let's be smart about how we react to this and call it progress. One of the things that I have been cautioning people since last year is that there was probably more players that would go the undrafted free agent route than would actually go the drafted route. And if you follow the draft and you paid attention to the draft, um, a lot of the scouting reports that many, many people had was completely, I won't say completely, but it was off. It seemed like there was more defenders, more receivers, fewer, fewer running backs, fewer linebackers, uh, I think in total, I think there were 20 FCS players that were actually drafted. Um, 
you know, it, it, what what I found funny uh, on a personal note, I I, I I thought of this NFL league and uh, back is uh, AD Drew. Drew, one of the things that I found funny about the draft is that I've heard it called a television show about quarterbacks. And if you think about how the rules are structured, if you think about what it takes to be a successful team, that sounds pretty accurate. A television show about quarterbacks. Because if you don't have a quarterback, you're not winning a Super Bowl, most likely. If you don't have a quarterback, you know, you're not a feature game on prime time most of the time. You know, the contracts, the big money goes to the quarterbacks. And so, as we saw in the draft, there was only one guy who was drafted in the first round, Kenny Pickett, uh, Pitt. Of course, he goes to Pittsburgh, where his team played, his college team played, where they used their facilities. There was a hometown connection. But then, you know, there was a clamoring to see when the next quarterback was going to be drafted. He didn't go in the later first round. Uh, He didn't go in the second round. And it was really starting to bother if you if you were anybody. I think I watched the NFL Network on day two. I don't know which channels. Which channel did you happen to watch? If you did watch any of the draft, I watched more ESPN than I did NFL Network. And did you get a sense that as names went by that they were really kept and maybe even going into a break? They said, "We'll come back and see when will so and so take the next quarterback." You know, there was. Uh, did you get any sense? Did you did you feel like there was an overemphasis of when the next quarterback would be taken? Well, Brian, this was a weak quarterback draft. I mean, there was no there was no standout gotta have quarterback. There was no Trevor Lawrence in this draft. There, you know, there was not even a uh, Lamar Jackson or Deshaun Watson in this draft where you drafted him on his upside. So it did not surprise me at all that quarterbacks were mainly day three uh, products of the draft. I believe there were only three quarterbacks taken in the first two days. Correct me if I'm wrong with that number, Brian. Um, there were, uh, yeah, there were th- uh, four taken in the first, four. uh, okay. two days. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I lost one in there, but you know, we've seen four taken in the top 15 picks in other years, you know, some years four in the first round, but this year that was not, that was not the case. And also Brian, you have to look at it. Most of the NFL teams have an established quarterback. There is, there was no franchise quarterback. Most 20 of the 30 teams have what they consider their, their franchise quarterback. 20 of the 32 teams have what they consider their franchise quarterback. The other 12 teams have, probably eight of the other 12 teams have a, what they consider a good game manager. They have a serviceable quarterback. And really only leaves about three or four teams where, you could take a quarterback in the number one or this is your number one draft pick or even a second or third round draft pick. I mean, Brian, really, when you look at it, who needs a quarterback at that level? Maybe Atlanta? Uh, yeah, that's, well, yeah, no, no, no. Maybe I, Seattle? Well, who, 
Well, you know, but see, that that's the question. See, Atlanta, yeah, put it like this. There were teams like Atlanta, for example, since you brought them up, where they have a guy uh, to start this exactly. year, uh, Marcus Mariota. But but there are still people questioning, and Mariota was what, the number two overall pick uh, back when he came out of college, came out of Oregon. And so you have a lot of people questioning whether he's the long-term solution in Atlanta. But but look at look at this. Uh, he, here's a trend for you that I found interesting from 2022 to 2021, and I'm and I'm pulling this information from uh, a site that I like to go to uh, called uh, uh, SpotRack.com. There were. Uh, let's see. Three, four. Uh, let's see. Three. Yeah, obviously there were four players drafted in the first two days. One in round one, three in round three, right? And then you had one in round four, one in round five, three in round seven. Uh, so that's a total of nine quarterbacks taken in twenty twenty two. Including Mister Irrelevant was a quarterback. Uh, correct. Last player was uh, Brock Purdy, Mr. Irrelevant from Iowa State. Okay. Now let's compare that to the previous year, 2021. You might be surprised to find that in that year, there were 10, 10 quarterbacks drafted. But the difference is five of them went in the first round. One went in the second round and two went in the third round. So eight of the quarterbacks, you had five that went on the first day, eight on the first two days, correct? So there's your there's your big disparity between one year and, and the previous year. You know what I'm saying? And then uh, I'll go back even two years in 2020. You had four quarterbacks drafted on day one. Uh, one additional drafted on day two uh now that class had 12 quarterbacks drafted um and so i i think you know it it they the the scouts or the gms and the teams really listen to what you said this was sort of a bad year for quarterbacks but you still have a lot of unproven guys like those guys from 2020 i mean many of them are unproven I mean, with the exception, if I go back and look at 2020 real quick, uh, with the exception of Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert, you know, you're still trying to figure out is Tua going to be the man in Miami? Jordan Love Jaylen hasn't Hurts. touched it. Jalen Hurts, is he going to be the man in Philly? Um, Jordan Love has the field. Yeah, uh, here's a guy that was drafted by my Colts, Jacob Eason. He's not even on the team anymore. <laughs> so, you know, it, it's just – it, it's amazing how quickly it can turn for guys, but you're But again, so where am I going with all that? Um, I, I mentioned all that because, you know, we had Emory hunt on a few weeks and, and I like Emory. I, I think he does a great job. And I mean, for anybody to spend the time in scouting 1000 guys, 1000 guys, it's interesting to see how he evaluates guys and where they landed. I mean, there are guys in his top 12. Remember, I said a number, Aquil Glass was his number 12 guy. Uh, Emory had Aquil Glass rated higher than Kenny Pickett, who went first round. 
Aquil Glass did not get drafted. He signed an undrafted free agent contract. This came out uh, late Saturday night, early Sunday morning with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So I ask you, Drew, I mean, exposure, what what do you think uh, unofficially, obviously, but in your opinion, what do you think is the difference between a guy like Aquil Glass, who obviously has in, in his market, has the resume, showed what he can do at the uh, college all-star games, the uh, college all-star bowl games, and a Kenny Pickett. You know, I don't think, I mean, Kenny Pickett led Pitt to an ACC championship, but I mean, outside of that, did he, what did he really accomplish outside of that? Perception is reality, Brian. He just perceived that the Power 5 quarterback and the Power 5 athlete is a better athlete. So, perception is reality. If you perceive that the athlete is a better athlete, a, uh, I don't want to use the word superior, but more skilled, more tested athlete, then that's what you're going to lean your, uh, your draft pick on. It's almost like car shopping, Brian. If you are a Toyota man and you only own Toyotas because you've had success driving Toyotas, you're going to continue to buy a Toyota or you're going to buy the upgraded Toyota product, i.e. a Lexus. But you're going to stay in that same general genre. So that's what it is. If you're an F-150 man, you're not going to go buy a a Nissan Titan. You're going to buy another F-150 when it comes time to buy a pickup truck. So it's the same thing when it comes to these quarterbacks. And you got to get them out and like using the car analogy, you got to test drive these. You may even have to go to a rental car place and drive some of these other models to see. Same thing with these quarterbacks. They get to come in, you, they get test driven or rent it during create during the off season workouts and during the preseason, that's when you get the opportunity to impress. Um, your, your, uh, your, your connection is beautiful, by the way. I just got to let you know. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Robo, (laughs) Robocop has nothing on you. Um, yeah, (laughs) Um, yeah, I, you know, I didn't do the, yeah, you know, look there. It's disappointing that again, uh, we haven't had an HBCU quarterback drafted since, Tavares Jackson, I believe that was 2007. Um, many people wanted to see uh, Bowie State's highly decorated quarterback um, from a few years ago, uh, Amir. Uh, Hall. My goodness, I can't. Amir Hall. Amir Hall. Yeah, uh, many people thought Amir Hall would would get an opportunity. I here's here's what I think. Here's what I think. I I think there are games that prove you are capable of playing in the NFL. And I'm only going. I don't know this. I, I just feel like there are games 
where as I'm listening to the, the commentators and look, sometimes I don't know if the commentators know more than you and I, I mean, definitely they should because they have more time to study film than you and I probably. And so they, they probably, you know, should, but sometimes they say things that make you wonder, do they know more than you or I, I guess that's a better way of saying it. But I, for example, listen to and watch. And if anybody, if you paid attention to, uh, whether it be um, our, our four draft picks, whether it be Joshua Wilson, Joshua Williams, excuse me, Jacoby uh, Durant, James Houston, um, Jatiri Carter, uh, in that order, by the way, with Joshua Williams, the D2 player going first. Um, what they go and look at is certain games. Now, obviously, for Williams, they went to the combine workout. For Dakobe, they went to the game against Clemson. For James Houston, they actually went to his games at Florida, even though he probably had a more successful single season at Jackson State than he did maybe in any of his years at Florida. Um, and and then Carter, an offensive lineman, I, I don't know, I'll have to ask, I'll have to ask B.J., whether uh, Carter came from, uh, if he came, if he was a Division One FBS transfer coming to Southern, but what was Aquil Glass's signature game? Now, and and I say that because did he have a signature game against a signature opponent that you know if NFL teams ran the tape back and said, wow, you know. Um, you know, I don't know. Would you would you say any of the games against Jackson State or FAMU are comparable this past because of their defensive abilities? You know, those were two losses. But did he show himself to be an NFL level quarterback? And, I, and I'm just thinking as a scout here. I'm just trying to put myself in in their shoes and see what they might be seeing because did we a, see did Alabama a and play in FCS on Aquil Gladys's figure there? Uh, you know, maybe during the breakup. So, if so, how did he perform in that game against the FCS? Like, the Kobe uh, Durant had tape, had film against FCS opponents. James yeah. Houston had film against FCS opponents. So, you know, we talk all this about the money game, but having that film against an FCS opponent may be the key to getting on somebody's draft board. You know, it's it's like, you know, as a 1A or 2A basketball player, football player, are you are you that big of a fish out of water? Were you that superior of an athlete? No, we want to see you against a six A or a seven A high school, depending on uh, what you have in your particular state. And that's it's the same thing when it comes to these college players trying to go to the next level. I think that is part of the issue that we have here, Brian. Yeah, um, it's an inter- and again, I 
I, you know, we started this talking about this is a league about quarterbacks. Um, and, and I think we start there. But where HBCU players have most notably found success, or at least in terms of being drafted, seems to be up front in the trenches um, or in that quarterback wide receiver area but nowadays we, who's the last wide receiver we had drafted i, I looked I, that's what i was going to pause i said that because i think the last ones were back in 2000 when you had uh i think it was sylvester morris there were two receivers drafted like in the first round back in like 2000 or 2001 but I, what i was going to say is because of the style of you, offense, you, you now, can't name anybody outside of Jimmy Smith and Jerry Rice <laughs> that play wide receiver at a significant level. HBCU. Well, well like I said, the, the last ones were the guys. There was two, I think, that were drafted in. Actually, no, one was a receiver. That uh, there was a receiver and a DB. There were two drafted in the first round. That was two thousand or two thousand one, I think it was. Um, but that was the last time, you know, you had a receiver that I recall from an HBCU being drafted. And if I'm wrong, somebody somebody out there will tell me I'm wrong. Um, but, speaking, you know. Speaking of what, that era, Brian, you know, we, we talked about skill position, D-backs. Uh, the 2003 draft, uh, most people probably don't even realize this, Tuskegee University had two, had both their quarterbacks drafted in the same draft, uh, that being Drayton Florence, uh, who was drafted by the then San Diego Chargers and Frank Walker, who was drafted by the New York Giants. So, uh, and that I have to look it up, but Tuskegee may be the last uh, HBCU to have two players drafted in the same class. I'm gonna have to look that up because I don't think anyone else has had two players in the same class drafted. Hmm, that's a good one. Um, yeah, you you guys you guys let us know out there. When's the last time outside of that Tuskegee team um, that's had um, two guys drafted? Um, I see some people. I'm, I'm looking at some people on. Uh, definitely, there's some mention of FCS guys being um, FCS players just in general. But I think the way the game is now, if your offense is suited with this wide open style. I mean, there, there were how many receivers drafted in the first round? Like six. Uh, yeah. You can get receivers. There's so many receivers out there now. It's almost like anybody who would have grown up maybe as a, I don't want to say maybe as a running back, it's kind of become a receiver. You know, it's like once you get to a certain height, there are more receivers You're now. You at least move to a slot, uh, uh, inside position. You know, I actually and, probably and, got guys and who. Running backs and linebackers are a dying breed. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're probably guys who five, ten years ago would have stayed playing basketball, but because of the offenses now in high school and seven on seven, you got guys who are probably coming out now for football and and being wide receivers and actually getting scholarship offers because they do have the size and they were probably pretty good basketball players as well. But, you know, they got an opportunity to go D1 a a lot faster playing football than you do basketball where the numbers are less, you know? You know why, Brian? Um, 
six a, a six foot guard playing in basketball, six foot six foot one guard playing basketball is a D, is a D two player a lot of times. Uh, a yeah. six foot one, hundred eighty pound receiver is a slot receiver in in football and can, and can get a D one scholarship, especially if you have any type of speed four five four five or below four six or below. Y'all coming out of high school. Um, let's uh, let's let's do this. Let's take a short break, a uh, short two minute pause for the cause. Come back. We're going to get into more talking about this uh, 2022 NFL draft, and we'll go through some of the names as we know them of undrafted free agents. Also, the transfer portal. Its last day is today and of course if you haven't been paying attention there's some big breaking news that came out um earlier today we'll let you know about that if you haven't heard already and uh we'll get into talking about baseball as we are less than two weeks away from the 2022 tyson foods black college world series in montgomery alabama we'll let you know who the eight teams are and more so hang in there for a couple of minutes we'll be back you're watching the bcsn sports wrap with brian and ad be back in a moment actor Dave Fenoy with a shout out to all my geeks, freaks, and urban nerds. Just want to let you know, I'm going to be there and I want to meet you at the Urban Nerd Con Gaming and Cosplay event. It's happening July 29th through the 31st in Montgomery, Alabama. Hope you want to meet me as much as I want to meet you. So join us by visiting theurbannerdcon.net for ticket and vendor information. This will be the premier blurred event in the universe. TheUrbanNerdCon.net Our heroes, our villains, our stories, everyone's con. See you there. Five-star backyards, Yellowwood brand pressure-treated pine. If it doesn't have this yellow tag, you don't want it. The Black College Ball Major. Schools Baseball Championship Major. will be crowned at the Tyson Foods Black Major. College Major. World Series. Major. 
Albany State University, Bluefield State College, and Waters University, Florida Boyd University, Kentucky State University, Biles College, Russ College, and Talladega College will battle it out at Montgomery, Alabama's Riverwalk Stadium from May 11th through 14th for Black College Baseball's ultimate prize. Tickets are on sale now at www.blackcollegechampionships.com. co-hosting slash come back, producing come back to that intro again brian and see we come back take two in three two <laughs> one quiet on the set quiet on the set three two <laughs> you keep talking it's supposed to quiet on the set for a reason drew three two All right, go ahead. i can't get we it good. off because you keep talking after i say quiet on the set Anyway, we're back. You're watching the BCSN Sports Wrap. This is live. So, I mean, these kind of things happen. You won't see this when we uh, when you watch the edited version or listen to the edited version of this on the BCSN Pod Zone. We'll just, we'll just cut this out, that little, that little 30 seconds there. You won't even hear it. So, if you're watching live, you got a chance to hear us do that. Uh, I want to encourage you to make sure that you – uh, download the BCSN Pod Zone whenever we have our shows available. Everywhere that you listen to podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, which you can watch the shows on Spotify too, just in case you didn't know that. Uh, some of the shows we do put our video versions up there on Spotify. But uh, Google, Apple, um, Spotify, Anchor, Everywhere you list iHeartRadio, uh, for and, and hey, more importantly, if you're listening to our shows on iHeart and Apple, do us a favor, rate the show on those platforms. You know, even on Spotify, rate the show. It all helps our algorithm. It all helps us continue to uh, promote the show, all of our shows, because the Pod Zone is an aggregate of all of the shows that appear on the BCSN. Uh, from Dr. Cavill's Inside HBCU Sports Lab, the Carlos Brown Show. If you missed Saturday's episode, his show Saturday, it is available now on the Pod Zone. Uh, you can watch the video on YouTube or Spotify. Our show, you can watch uh, the ONG Strike Zone. Uh, all, and, you know, whenever we get the pregame show, whenever they have shows, that'll appear there. So a host of shows throughout the week to uh, to keep you going and keep you up to date on what's happening in black college sports. Um, I wanted to read a tweet from the Black College Football Hall of Fame, which reminds us that four HBCU players were drafted in the 2022 NFL draft. That's four X, four times the last two years combined and matches the best results over the last 11 years. Those uh, were 2011, 2015, 2017, and 2019. 
And they uh, they use a quote here from the great coach Eddie Robinson, which reads, quote, it's all about getting the best candidate possible, no matter what color, what race, what ethnicity. They just need an opportunity. And so, of course, through uh, functions like the HBCU Legacy Bowl, um, we're hopeful that this four, after the last two years, produces more next year and produces more the following year. So um, there are a host of guys who got some uh, undrafted deals. We'll go through those as well. Um, but we mentioned we talk about a little bit of the baseball some of the baseball news of the day, uh, big weekend series around the various conferences. Drew, there was a couple of news and notes that I know related to baseball that you wanted to share. Do you have those ready to share, or do you want me to to uh, to, to to pull that information on my own while you figure out and do whatever uh, it is you're doing there? Uh, I have it. I have some information available. Okay, go ahead. Well, I know you wanted to bring up the uh, the young man from Benedict College, uh, Brandon O'Connor, who broke the NCAA Division II national stolen base record. I know that was one of the stories we we talked about offline that you wanted to mention. Uh, Brandon is an outfielder for Benedict College, and he set – actually, he broke the record uh, by – which was held by – Cisco Johnson, I love that name, by the way, Cisco Johnson, uh, who played at St. Leo University, which St. Louis, St. Leo is down here in my neck of the woods. He recorded four, uh, 96 steals in 49 games back in 1987. Well, uh, Brandon, he stole on the last day of the season this past sun, uh, Saturday, matter of fact, he stole base number 97 in 43 games. So again, 97 stolen bases in 43 games. Uh, you do you do the math on that. That's over that's over two a game. For those of you who maybe not weren't math majors, uh, that's over two a game. Uh, reading a quote here from out of this article uh, from uh, our good friend uh, Michael Coker at uh, HBCU, uh, blackcollegenines.com. No player in Division II history has put up the stolen base numbers that O'Connor has achieved. Uh, O'Connor said, I never thought this day would come, so it's a pretty awesome feeling. The greater danger for most of us is setting our aim too high and falling short or setting our aim too low and not achieving our goal. Did you ever think the day would come, O'Connor stated? I did. No, I didn't. When I tied the record after stealing second, it was bound to happen as I set my sight on third base. And it was third base that he stole in that last game to set that record. Uh, I don't even know how many times he's been caught. Oh, he's only been caught eight times. So he's 97 bases and 105 attempts. Uh, He has a bad hit. Now, you got to imagine that in order to be able to steal that kind of numbers you got to get on base he's got a batting average of 454 he scored 54 runs 10 doubles three triples one home run 51 rbis on the year he's only struck out 10 times 
Um, I got, you know, I got to imagine, Drew, this is a young man who you got you to gotta find a way to get a guy like this on the field. I don't know. I'm sure there's a major league scout out there somewhere that if he's done his work, he's gone and seen uh, Brandon, uh, who will be graduating from Benedict College. He's a senior. And I, I think Brandon might get a shot somewhere um, to, to show what kind of uh, – to what kind of what speed he has at the major league level, but uh, congratulations to Brandon O'Connor, Benedict College, for what he accomplished. Uh, any other stories or news, individual news and notes you wanted to run through, Drew? Well, I wanted to uh, go on this a little bit more. He finished the season with ninety-seven, uh, including eight in one game. Brian, he stole eight oh, bases wow. in one game. God. So, you know, that was probably a four for four or four for five day for him at the plate or, you know, a, a three for four with a walk or something along those lines. And But also what I find interesting in this, Brian, do you realize that somebody on his team who also stole 60 bases this year, Brian? No, really? Two players, 157 steals. Between two players, wow. Brian. 157 steals. So Benedict, as a team, had five players with double-digit steals. So uh, let you know uh, that lets you know what kind of uh, players. 152 plate appearances. Excuse me, at bats. He had 152 at bats. The Brandon O'Connor. So yeah, I think someone is going to give him an opportunity to get into an extended spring training or. Uh, continue to play at a lower professional league and then ultimately he may be able to make it to the big show with speed like that. Yeah. So um that's ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. Um from a from a, a, a on the diamond as well, gotta give a shout out to we we mentioned some coaches that put up some big numbers last week in our uh show last week. Well, I'd be remiss if we didn't mention this week uh, or on this show that Lauren Watton, the head coach of Bethune-Cookman softball program for the past 15 seasons, she's been the head coach there. She won her 750th overall victory. Uh, Coming into the season, she had won 448 at Bethune and 728 overall. Um so, I mean, yeah, granted, she, you know, she wasn't that far away from getting uh, 750 overall, but uh, uh, the team, uh, Bethune, ended up getting a win number 750 uh, for her after they defeated uh, Jackson State this weekend. And, and so that was a big win for Bethune. We'll get into talking about the uh, women's softball standings. Uh, coming up a little bit later towards the end of the show. Uh, but I had to make sure we get that mentioned in. Any other uh, any other news and notes, Drew, uh, individually before we make mention? Uh, oh, yeah, hold on. There's one. I, I, I'll let you go. I'll let you go before I jump in there. Go ahead. Uh, well, uh, I want to stick, stick with baseball right now. You know there was a no-no, a combined no-no this week against a – 
for lack of no, they would not be considered a Power Five, a future Power Five team, as Memphis will be going to the Big Twelve. I do believe. Uh, Memphis is going to the Big Twelve. In I don't. AC. No, they're staying in the uh, AC. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, uh, Arkansas Pine Bluff with only six wins on the season and a tie. No, had four pitchers combined for a no-hitter against the uh, Memphis Tigers this week. This occurred on uh, this occurred on Wednesday, I do believe. Uh, as and I lost lost the article that fast. <laughs> Yeah, four pitches combined for a uh, victory over Memphis. Excuse me, that was not a no. That was a uh, that was a shutout. That was a shutout win over Memphis. Uh, uh, sophomore Andrew wow. Duran, junior Brandon Little. Uh, Andrew Duran started it out. Brandon Little closed it out for UAPB, but uh, you know, for UAPB with a with with a disappointing season, yeah, this was a no hit shutout. This, uh, I do have that correct. It was a no hit shutout for four for UAB to have only six wins. Get that no hitter against a Memphis team. Now Memphis is is a five hundred team. It's not like they're playing in Alabama or Florida, but even still, this was a uh, monumental victory for uh, UAPB and the SWAC in general. I wonder if this may help the perception of SWAC baseball and help conference rating a little bit by seeing things uh, like this. UAB took the lead two nothing in the top half of the third and never lost that advantage. The Golden Lions outhit the Tigers seven to zero. UAPB pitchers limited Memphis to zero for five with runners in scoring position in this game. So, uh, yeah, that that was that was another uh, great baseball story uh, this week, Brian. And one final bit of news I think we can get to before we get into the Black College World Series the eight teams that are going to be a part of that. Florida A&M's Ethan Jenkins in uh, game number one of the three-game series against Mississippi Valley State. The Rattlers are out in Itabina, Mississippi. He hit four home runs uh, in, I believe, four plate appearances against uh, Valley. Uh, Four home runs, six RBIs as he had a solo home run in the second, then uh, came back in the fourth inning with another solo homer. That one, uh, the first solo homer, brought the game up to a 2-1. to one. Uh, Rattlers were trailing 2-0 to start the game and cut the deficit in half. His solo homer in the fourth uh, tied the game at 5. Uh, and then he had two other two other home runs. I read the full report. Unfortunately, uh, I got to go to the box score because I thought it was in this article that I was reading here earlier. And, I, and, you know, the bad part is I read the article and I'm thinking, okay, he hit one in his other uh, plate appearances 
in which uh, he had a sick in the sixth inning. He homered in the sixth inning, and then he homered again in the seventh inning. So that was four. Let me make sure he had four plate appearances. Yeah, his stat line: four at bats, four runs, four hits, six RBIs. Uh, that's a total of for those of you who like to do this kind of thing. That's a total of uh, sixteen total bases in that uh, in that contest, and then. Uh, of course, FAMU won that ball game by a score of 16 to 5. Then in game two, the next game in his first at bat, he hit another homer. So that would have made that made five consecutive plate appearances in which uh he got a home run. Now I think I was reading somewhere that the record, the NCAA record was six, uh six plate appearances. Uh, as Jenkins, who hits towards the bottom of the order, he had another solo homer in the second inning. And, um, yeah, so uh, the Rattlers went on to sweep Mississippi Valley State this weekend, got back on their winning ways. But, you know, got to give a shout-out there to uh, Ethan uh, Ethan Jenkins. Uh, for Do you for have the box score for the second game, Brian? I do have the box score for the second game. What are you curious about? What I, he did? I just wonder if I just wonder if he was walked in that second game because after he would have hit four in the first game and hit one in his first appearance in the second game, I'm giving him the four fingers every time he comes to the plate from now on for the rest of this day because he is hot. <laughs> yeah, well, funny you ask that. He he was he actually did walk twice. Um, he uh, he had three at bats. Uh, and this was uh, – he did strike out one. So, um, you know, he had three uh, – walked three times – or walked twice, struck out once. Uh, had two hits, though. So, outside of the homer, he was actually two of three in terms of official uh, at-bats driving in one. And so, now, uh, I, I'm just going to take a quick peek here. If the box score from today – is updated, which it should be. I'll take a peek and see did he actually play because that one FAMU won eleven to six, and Jenkins actually returned back to, um, I, well, I, I won't say return back to normal, but you know he did walk two more times, struck out once. He was zero for three, so um, no, uh, didn't kind of carry it on forward into game three. But I got to imagine. Did not get a pitch to hit, probably. Yeah, no. You know, you got to imagine that uh, he didn't get anything really good to hit. Uh, but but I got to imagine he, he'll be up for SWAC player of the week or SWAC hitter of the week for sure. No doubt. Um, I, I think uh, when you when you have the kind of run he had, I don't I don't think that's been done. I, we'll have to check with some of our stat geeks out there to see when's the last time that's been done in the SWAC. Uh, but again, I know in the NCAA, uh, that number uh, was out there. So, um, all right. So, still a lot of chatter going on in the chat rooms of Facebook, of course, regarding the HBCU draft. And we're going to come back and talk more about that here at the top of the second hour with Brandon BJ Jones. So, you guys hang in there. But uh, we want to make mention of the 2022 Tyson Foods. Uh, Black College World Series, which will be in Montgomery, Alabama, May 11th through the 14th, featuring a field of eight teams. 
four Division II teams, four NAIA teams, and they will play sort of in separate pods, uh, two four-team uh, brackets, double elimination, and then once you get to the once you win that bracket, you advance to the World Series game, which is a single elimination contest. And so, Drew, the uh, the announcement, of course, of the teams was made on Wednesday. Um, since Wednesday, there's been a sw- uh, slight tweak to that. Um, so let's kind of let's let's start there with the teams who actually were uh, were named. So from the NAIA, the the teams that were selected, and, and this is a selection process, Drew. I know we have a poll. Black College Nine has a poll, but just to clarify for people, there is a selection committee that makes this decision. Yes, and how many people are on that selection committee? There were five independent uh, people on the selection committee. Now all these people have some ties to either HBCUs or to the sport of baseball and currently follow HBCU baseball. And what I mean ties to HBCUs, uh, these are HBCU alum or baseball people, baseball alums who may have played at a non-HBCU but still followed HBCU baseball. So that's kind of how, how the committee was was put together. They had numbers such as the Black College Nine poll, the numbers that go into our algorithm here at the BCSN Sports Wrap. Plus, uh, they were doing they did their own research also to kind uh, to put the to put the numbers together. And on the NCAA side, two teams were essentially a lot to be in. That being Savannah State. In Albany State, on the NAIA side, you had Florida Memorial was there was no lock. You had some good good probables. Florida Memorial was one of those good probables. Emma Waters, who was dead midway through March, got on a tremendous run and played their way into the Black College World Series. Then after that, it was, you know, they had to look, seriously crunch numbers and figure out who was the best of those remaining. On the NCAA side, you had Miles, who has been the streakiest of streaky teams. They've won double digit, they won double digit games at one point in time in this, this season. I believe they won like 13 or 15 in a row at one point in time. But then they turned around and lost like seven in a row. So Miles was their streaky team, but they 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 wound up wind up being in, and then they got down to the point of splitting hairs between uh, a couple of teams, Bluefield State and Kentucky State. Well, Bluefield State got the got the uh, got the bid on the NCAA side, and we, we'll come back to the NCAA side in just a moment. On the NAIA side, your your four teams that are in are Russ College, Florida Memorial, Ever Waters, which is interesting because Ever Waters is transitioning to a Division II team, will be playing in the SIAC next year, but they are still classified as an NAIA uh, program, playing half their schedule NAIA this year, so they qualified as an NAIA 
interest fact. I think Ever Waters may have qualified if they were on the NCAA side, though. Just, just, just looking at some of the stuff that the uh, committee was looking at, had they been a D two team, and Talladega uh, was the fourth team. Xavier was left outside looking in the uh, the defending uh, runner up from a year ago, but Xavier has been determined to be the alternate should one of the NAIA teams not be able to make it due to, uh, I hate to say it, due to COVID or due to a, another obligation. Uh, what's that? There. So, what's that? <laughs> uh, no, nothing. I'm sorry. Go ahead. You said you said some, okay. you said a, some word that started with a C, and I was like, what's that? I, I'm sorry. <laughs> There must be the delay between the Bluetooth and the internet, because that's why I was so that's why I was so off kilter when you said that. Yes, uh, obviously. Anyway, <laughs> uh, so that's uh, so that's what we're looking at on. Now these teams have not been seated. These teams will be seated as of the Wednesday Road to Montgomery show. Now let's flip over right. to the NC. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Go stop. Ahead. You're you're taking my hold Stay on. Stop. On you have your. Stop. You have your road to Montgomery. I, you, I'm, I'm supposed to be setting you up, and you're running off with oh. the I'm, – I'm just going to go get me a drink of water and let you keep talking. But, uh, I, look, I, I wanted to – that's all right. No, I was just trying to set you up to let, make you be make you sound greater than you already are. So, um, we've got the <laughs> NAIA team, Florida Memorial, who is uh, – now, the uh, Black College Nines uh, has a small school division poll, top ten poll uh edward waters florida memorial is actually number six uh, let me start from the top rust is actually number five on that poll uh florida memorial is number six on that poll edward waters is seven uh and uh let me see talladega is not in that poll so what i don't see though is the number 14 paying college in your in your opinion what do you think kept Payne College from being one of these teams selected? Obligations. Payne, Payne was in. Payne as a NCCAA team uh, because they, there's a deadline for them to declare that they are not going to the NCCAA tournament because Payne did not meet that deadline and, get, and submit their – uh, desire to go to the Black College World Series. Instead, they are obligated to participate in the NCCAA tournament. Yes, Payne should have should have been in, but because of that obligation, Payne was not uh, afforded the opportunity to come to the okay. uh, Tyson Foods Black College World Series. And you said Xavier is the alternate here on this level. Uh, real quick Correct. is... Uh, for any of these teams, obviously all of these teams play in different conferences. Um, if they should or should they win their conference tournament, what might that mean for them playing? Should they win their conference tournament? They will have to make it. They will have to make a decision. Both, all of them have said that they will participate not only in their conference tournament but the Tyson Foods Black College World Series, and then go on to the NAIA tournament but okay should so they, a power that but should a power that be says no we don't want you to do that that's why there's an alternate on deck 
when you say power that be, are you referring to as freely as you can? I know, obviously, conflicts of interest maybe, apply, uh, but I have to answer. Conf- are, maybe are the saying- uh, conference office conference office may say or the NAIA themselves may say no. So that's wow. why I say okay. the powers that be. And when I get that to the NCAA no side, him, that will make a little that will make that will make more sense to what I just said. That won't be known until when? Uh the conference tur- most conference tournaments in either this upcoming Saturday or Sunday, depending on the conference. Okay. Uh, and real quick, over the on the NCAA side, um, obviously the number one team is Savannah State. Number uh, Albany State Nobody's is the number seen. two. Uh, are you talking about that? Hold on, hold on. What, I, what I'm saying is I'm referring to Black College Nine's top ten poll. Okay. And then the eight gotcha. teams selected on Wednesday. The eight teams that were selected, anyone who watched Road to Montgomery, you had Savannah State, who's the number one team in that Black College Nine's poll. You have Albany State who's number two. Uh, You have Miles College, who's number three. Uh, And then you have Bluefield State, the defending champs, number 10. Uh, Very quickly, Drew, because we got to go to a break and go to our last segment, but uh, Savannah State will not be participating uh, in the Black College World Series. Um, Their alternate, Kentucky State, who is ranked number nine, will take their place uh, as best as you can, tell us what happened there with that. Uh, S- Savannah State uh, don't know don't know the full story about it, but I think it had a lot to do with Savannah State is not only in a good position to win the SIAC tournament, but also to even if they do not win the SIAC tournament, to receive an at large. Now, when you look at the SIAC conference, Spring Hill who's not an HBCU but competes in the SIAC, is probably in a better position to receive an at-large out of the SIAC than if the roles were reversed. But Savannah State, I think, uh, playing the safe, decided uh, that they would opt out. And I'm going on pure speculation right here. Uh, but Savannah State has decided to opt out and put kind of push all their chips into the SIAC tournament. So, and there's a, there's a second caveat when it comes to the SIAC, which is why uh, the, we had to create the alternate scenario to start with. SIAC, and we there's been some back back and forth, but the SIAC office has determined that the SIAC champion will not be allowed to participate in the Tyson Foods Black College World Series because it may be considered a second postseason event. The NCAA only allows you one postseason event beyond your conference tournament. So because of that, safety being the uh, caution, safety being the forerunner here, the SIAC champion, should it be one of the teams that are that are selected in the field, that being Albany State, Kentucky State, or Miles, will not participate in the Tyson Foods Black College World Series. And thus, since our original alternate Kentucky State replaced Savannah State after, after they opted out, Tuskegee now becomes 
the alternate for the uh, Tyson Foods Black College World Series. I hope I explained that as best as I could. Tuskegee, woo, woo. All right. Hey, look, there are layers to this thing, man. Uh, props to uh, There are many layers. <laughs> yeah, props to uh, Black College Championships on being able to work work this out. And, and thank you to all the schools. Uh, uh, you are in store for a big-time event. And so while we wish everybody luck in their conference tournaments, um, the postseason uh, will be sweet. I guarantee it because the people who are working to put it together have done a great job and are doing a great job. You included AD. Let's go to a break because Brandon BJ Jones is on the other side. We got some football HBCU NFL draft related stuff to talk about on the other side. You're watching the BCSN sports wrap. We'll be back in two minutes. Black College Ball Schools Baseball Championship will be crowned at the Tyson Foods Black College Memorial City. Albany State University, Bluefield State College, Everwater University, Florida Boyd University, Kentucky State University, Miles College, Russ College, and Talladega College will battle it out at Montgomery, Alabama's Riverwalk Stadium from May 11th through 14th for Black College Baseball's ultimate prize. Tickets are on sale now at www.blackcollegechampionships.com. Charmin Ultra Soft has so much cushiony softness, it's hard for your family to remember. They can use less. Sweet pillows of softness. This is soft. Holy Charmin. Oh, excuse me. Roll it back, everybody. Sorry. Charmin Ultra Soft is so cushiony soft, you'll want more. But it's so absorbent, you can use less. So it's always worth it. Now, what did we learn about using less? You gotta roll everybody <laughs> we all go why not enjoy the go with Charmin? we're all about feeding your family with meat and plant-based protein that's good for the planet good for you and just plain good that's all the protein you need all on your plate Star Backyards Yellowwood brand pressure treated pine. If it doesn't have this yellow tag, you don't want it. Okay, welcome back to the BCSN Sports Wrap. Brian Fulford, AD Drew here, joining us, as you can see. Good friend of the show from uh, Inside HBCU Football. That's Brandon B.J. Jones. B.J., how you doing, my man? Man, doing good, man. How y'all fellas doing? Doing well. Doing well, You guys out there watching us, make sure you guys hit that uh, thumbs up button there in the chat room on uh, YouTube and Facebook. Uh, now's the time to start getting your questions, any thoughts you might have. Um, 
a lot to break down here with uh with but, DJ. Let's before just... you go into that before you go into that, Brian. Next time y'all two uh send the memo back and forth to each other to wear powder blue, please include me on the email chain. <laughs> it's Columbia. Gotcha. Columbia. 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 Blue. I'm sorry. Next time, please include me on the email chat. That's, that's, that's that Southern blue. That's what they call it, that Columbia blue, official. 801 Harder Boulevard. Look at that. See? See? <laughs> uh, hey, um, so obviously lots of lots of breakdown for the draft. Let me start with this, uh, BJ, just your overall thoughts on the draft uh, from the – HBCU player perspective. Uh, was it what you thought? Uh, disappointed, pleased, optimistic? What are your thoughts? Just about what I thought. Um, I thought we were, about four to five kids would get drafted you know, to get that opportunity. Um, it was a, you know, it was about what I thought. Um, I think that um, a lot of people's. Um, I think a lot of people had a kind of inflated sense of what may happen. Uh, not realizing, man, that the NFL draft, man, we're, we're talking about a small percentage of draft eligible players uh, who actually get their names called. Um, and when we're talking about the National Football League, we're talking about the best football players in the world. All right. In 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 the world. And, and only half of, of a percentage make it to that level. And, and that, that's something I want our, our fans uh, to understand. Uh, it's an uphill climb, no matter how talented you are, uh, coming from a bigger school, a Power 5 school. You saw Power 5s. didn't have anybody drafted yesterday. Uh, so it, it's, it's, it's about what, what I expected, about what I, what I expected. Yeah, it, it really is. It hit me when I thought about the numbers when uh when I went and I looked back at Emory Hunt's scouting book, which he had a thousand names in that book. Two hundred and sixty-two mm-hmm. players got drafted. That means there are seven hundred something players, right, that were draft eligible that didn't get drafted. And right. probably, probably, I'm just guesstimating, maybe only a couple hundreds of those maybe 300 might find themselves on a team in somebody's rookie mini camp. So there's probably another 400 guys who won't even make it to that level. And so I, and I guess the, the conversation where all that comes from is I was actually, as I was watching some USFL football the other day, um, I was encouraged by the fact that, you know what? Yes, we have enough players in the marketplace for two professional football leagues. I, I don't want to go talking about that, but I'm just, I feel like you folks can be encouraged that you may see these guys playing professional. It just may not be on an NFL team. Um, and yep. here's a tweet I want to read for you guys from uh, Brian Juice Jenkins Jr. I don't know if you guys saw this. I thought this summed it up real well. And then, AD, I'll give it over to you. He, he tweeted out, just goes to show you, you have to be elite. You have to be special. Sometimes what you think is good enough ain't good enough. You got to do more. One hundred. I, I thought that summed it up quite well. Uh, when you think about the draft, uh, go ahead, Ad. 
you know, when you when you think about it, Brian, now the NFL is no different than any other professional league. You know, NBA, there's only so many players that get drafted. Those who don't get drafted, they go to the G League. They go overseas. MLB, you've got your different layers of minor league baseball. That's what the USFL and the upcoming XFL, along with Canada, seems to be for these college scenes or these players who run out of college eligibility because there are there are other opportunities to continue to play this and not as paid as much but if you want to do it for pay there are opportunities out there uh would you not concur with that bj i mean i took one of those opportunities um, i had to go to vancouver british columbia went there for a couple of years and you know made a you know a decent amount of money but you know hey i was able to extend the football career for a few years um was it life-changing money you know the opportunities that i could have had you know had i made a roster in the national football league no but you know it gave me an opportunity to um scratch that itch and uh you know get an opportunity um you know to you know continue you know my athletic career um and you know that and then, you know, the biggest thing is, is why I tell people, man, this is a challenging time for young men. Um, nobody, no matter how you say, is prepared for their football careers to come to an end. Nobody. Um, it's one of those things that, man, you feel like it's going to be different because it always has been different. You know, you knew after Pop won the ball, I'm, I'm going to play at junior high. You knew after junior high, I'm, 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 I'm going to play at high school. You know, after high school, I'm going to play at the collegiate level. You just feel like, hey, it's just the next level. I've always been told that it's a challenge to get to the next level and then to do this. Well, this is the next level. And when, you, when that does not happen, I'm not going to lie, man. I was depressed for for a while, uh, you know, after that. that That is a, a realistic uh, feeling. It's gut-wrenching. It's a tough pill to swallow. And... It's not as easy as people, you know, think that it is. Even though that you know the odds are against you, the odds have been against you since you start playing. You've, you've, you know, overcame them, you know, this many times. And you know, my heart goes out to those young men because now a lot of guys really have to start thinking about life after football, and and that's a scary proposition. Uh, even if you uh, would have had a, a, a successful career, I mean, you, you, after 30, you still will have to deal with it. You're just kicking the can down the road, uh, good, bad, yep. or ugly. So when, when, it, when it comes to it. Now, BJ, four were drafted, others are signed. Here's the question. For those that were drafted, get it drafted. That's only step one. We all four of these make a team. Answer that for me. Make the team that they were drafted by. Yeah, I, I don't know about the team they were drafted by, but I think all four of them will stick in the league. I think that um, Jatari Carter from Southern University is special. Uh, you watch it, him, and he's being asked now to step inside, play the guard position where he's, you know, tackle. He's athletic enough to make that, strong enough to make that move. I think that the corners that were drafted yesterday, Joshua Williams is special, and I've been screaming his name since last summer. Everybody was talking about, Who's the best corner in HBCU football? Is it Kobe Durant? Is it uh, the young man from Jackson State? 
And I kept telling people, man, there's this guy at Fayetteville State named Joshua Williams. They got something that you can't buy. 6'3", over 200 pounds, playing corner, and can run sub 4'4". You, you can't coach that. You either got it or you don't. And he has something. 6'3", corners are hard to find. He has that. He's going to get a leg up. Kobe Durant just has a knack of just, for just making plays. That matter where he is, who he's playing against, he just has a knack of, 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 for, for making plays. That he's going to, uh, you know, be okay. And then James Houston. A lot of people are counting down on James Houston's size, but you see the plays that he's able to make when he's able to come off the edge. He's going to be asked to probably play a coverage a little bit more at the next level. Uh, he's a three-four outside linebacker, not really a true defensive end. So I think there's going to be some challenges there for him, but I think he has the athleticism uh, to, to make up for it to be able to make that transition. Now, I might add that I think the most disappointing one for me that who was not drafted was uh, Marquise Bell out of Florida A&M. In your opinion, why do you think Marquise did not get his name called? Marquise Bell... 2019 was better than Marquise Bell 2021. 2019, he just completely jumped off the screen. I mean, I watched him play a couple of times, man, where he made that FAMU secondary in 2019 was not good. Let's be honest. It, it wouldn't it, it wasn't like that. Having him as the umbrella, it, it changed everything. Marquise Bell didn't have the 2021 that we expected for, for him to have. Not until southeastern Louisiana. Now, he had a well of a game, but he regressed in 2021, if we're being honest. And when people, when scouts look at you and and you're not one of those guys like surefire, like a, a Daryl Stingley, he regressed. Uh, his 2020 didn't look like 2019. His 2020, COVID year or not, he was reading a lot of uh, the back of a lot of jerseys. Uh, but he had already been pegged as an elite guy. When you're considered a marginal guy, your best has to be your latest. And for Marquise Bell, his his latest wasn't his best. His best was 2019. Do you think that was because of the additions of other guys around him where they had a Lovey Jenkins, they had a uh, Antoine Collier? You know, he wasn't being asked to do – maybe so many things or he didn't have to do as many things. Do you think that was why, or do you, maybe it was something else? And also it came a lot when he was in the zone, he got lost a lot. Uh, when he was supposed to be that man over the top, there was, there was a, a, he got lost a lot. Well, he wasn't that umbrella that he was um, in, in 2019. And he struggled uh, coming down and, and covering the slot things that he, he didn't struggle with that in 2019. Uh, I'm not sure about his playing weight. I know he seemed more slim in 2021 compared to 2019. I'm not sure what what about his training methods changed up. Uh, but he didn't look like Marquise Bell that we all expected him to look into that South Southeastern game. And unfortunately, he showed up. Um, yeah, a bunch of other people did, but he did. <laughs> so the other people got lost on our team. <laughs> yeah, the real good point. Real good point. Um, some of the uh, some of the undrafted names here. Um, well, I, one more question regarding the guys who got drafted, and, and because I know that was a point of emphasis that got caught up on the TV. You know, obviously 
Houston, uh, previously played at Florida for four years. And um, Jacoby was spotlighted for his performance against Clemson. Um, I don't know much about Carter's background. You, you, you obviously know more about Jatiri Carter than us. Um, was there was there a significant game that jumped off, or just you, you called him special? I mean, was there something, or is just his nature of how he played all year that sort of jumped off the page uh, for Carter? He played the same way against everybody. He's a athletic, nasty offensive lineman, and he tries to bury people. And it doesn't matter if it was Troy, it doesn't matter if it was Mississippi Valley, it doesn't matter if it was TCU. He played the same exact way, and if you lined up across from him, you got the same exact treatment. Hmm. He made the young man uh, that was what, uh, 2019 Memphis, the kid that played across from him for Memphis, he just embarrassed. And he he, he he did it again in Troy. Southern didn't have a good game at Troy. Tyra Carter did. Yeah. And see, there you go. Those are, Remember, so I, like Drew, remember we were talking about earlier, trying to think about – and there, so you mentioned two games against Memphis and Troy. So it's like – we. so it, it almost feels like there's this sense that when you perform well against those upper-level teams or what the perception is of upper-level from your own division – and then when you do it consistently, that's what sticks. It seems like that is the the roadmap, unless obviously you're a Joshua Williams, and as you said, you just have something that you can't really coach. Um, you know, so I, that that seems to be the formula. Um, as we go through the list of undrafted free agents, uh, jump in with any thoughts that you might have on any of these guys. Uh, obviously, Bell signs with the Cowboys. Uh, Jaquez Ezard, who we we saw tear up the the league, uh, the MEAC with Howard, and then he went off and won a title with uh, who is it? Sam Houston. He Sam got Houston. a deal with the, yeah, yeah. He got a deal with the Commanders. Savion Williams got picked up by the Jets. I thought of the all the FAMU people. I thought Jay. Uh, I thought Jay Jackson Williams might get a shot. Not to say Savion wouldn't, but I was. That that was interesting to see Savion get picked up or get a deal with the Jets. Uh, Felix Harper getting an opportunity with the Browns. I I mean, I that that was I, I I'm not gonna lie, that was a bit shocking for me. You know, and I don't know, maybe it's a size thing, but then again, there's an organization that had Baker Mayfield in, so you sort of had smaller quarterbacks, and I don't know, maybe that was just one of those things. Uh, Ron Hunt, uh, wide receiver from AMT, got an opportunity with the Jets. Uh, CJ Holmes, well, Jackson State has an opportunity with the Saints. Will Adams is a name who I heard a lot of buzz about. He's a Virginia State DB with the Falcons. Uh, let's see, defensive lineman Deshaun uh, Dixon from Norfolk State, opportunity with the Jaguars. Shamar Bridges of Fort Valley State, wide receiver. Got an opportunity with the Ravens. Caleb Carter, linebacker from Southern, going to my Colts. Uh, what can I expect there? I got to ask about that since he's going to the Colts. Uh, what 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 can I expect from – what can we expect from uh, Caleb Carter? Gets to the ball, um, has a nose for the football, um, athletic enough to, to run sideline from sideline, athletic enough to play in coverage. If there was a knock on him uh, is that he doesn't – 
always play to his ability. You know, but when he does, he's special. So he has to get that motor to stay on all the time uh, because he can give you a 10, but, you know, he might go a few games where he may give you a six and a half or a seven. Hmm. Uh, of course, we have Glass. Aquil went to uh, gets an opportunity with the Bucks, and then uh, Jermaine Jermaine Martin going also to my Colts. I, I've tried to tell people that uh, Martin is the if, if folks remember Vic Ballard, who came out of Mississippi State, I believe. I've tried yep. to compare Martin to Vic Ballard, who I loved Vic, ba- Vic Ballard, obviously. Um, so that's the I don't know if you've heard of any other names outside of that list. But uh, any impressions or any names in that list? And I'm getting this list from uh, HBCU Game Day. Uh, I want to make sure to give uh, Steve uh, some credit for pulling that list. And there might be new names as well. But any names that pop off? And what do you think those guys' success opportunities will be? Man, Dixon from North from Norfolk State, I think, is going to have a le- legitimate shot. As the size, I'm not sure what he ran as far as the 40. Um, which is really overrated, by the way, for a defensive lineman. Well, I need to be looking at your cone drills and, and, and see him there. Um, I think he has a legitimate shot. I think Bell has a legitimate shot because we – Marquise Bell, he's on this is special. And with that size, he, he got something else that you can't coach. You can't coach. Hey, coach 6'3". Mm-hmm. <laughs> 6'3", you're not. He, he is. So I think that he has an opportunity. Uh, D. Anderson, receiver from Alabama A&M. Uh, oh, yeah. That young man is special as well. Um, I think, you know, that he's going to have a good opportunity. And it's going to be interesting interesting to see the young man from Virginia State, who I heard a lot of buzz about. It's going to be interesting to see what he does with this opportunity because from all accounts and, and the, the film I went back and watched on him, he can ball. Like he may may have been hurt by going to you know being at Virginia State, but he he can ball. Um, so I, I mean I, I wish all these young men the best of luck. Of course, Quill Glass, the one that we've been talking about for a while. It's going to be interesting interesting to see, um, you know what what uh, the cars has in, in store for him, um, because I, I talked to a scout and um, and I told me and Reggie Flood talked about this. Akil Glass looked great in the East-West Shrine game. Tore, tore that right. game up. He didn't look as polished and as well in the HBCU Legacy Bowl. I agree. But it goes back to your last has to ha, it has to be your best. And that Legacy Bowl, uh, it, and unfortunately, it wasn't his best. And I think that that may have made a lot of doubts about him Seeping to the minds of a lot of scouts and a lot of teams. It's almost like if he wouldn't have played in that game, it was almost like you had kind of, and I, I made, there was probably a sense of obligation that he felt like he had to play in that game. But I, if you almost wish after what he did in the East West Shrine and even the, uh, uh, what was the other bowl? The, uh, the NFL PA bowl. Uh, yep. was, so he had two good bowls. And then he did the Legacy Bowl, and it was like the Legacy Bowl was the least impressive of the three, but it was the last one. And like mm-hmm. you said, that last one sticks out. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's uh, that's disappointing. Uh, a few other names I did refresh on the screen here. A few other names that have been added to this list. Uh, Jawan Taylor 
of Alcorn gets an opportunity with the Jets. Uh, now, is he the young man who was supposed to be – I read something. There's a guy from Alcorn who's supposed to be like the fastest guy in the SWAT. Is that him, Taylor? Oh, no, that's another guy. They actually ran, ran track um, at Alcorn as well. Uh, Might have been Taylor. Might have been Taylor. Taylor was the, 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 the defensive player of the game of, of that 2019 SWAT championship game. He can ball, too. He can ball, too. Um, Zafir Kelly of South Carolina State gets an opportunity with the Packers. Uh, Marquise McClain of Southern gets an opportunity with the Jets. Um, and uh, Al Young of Jackson State. Now, he's um, – ooh, I, I saw his name earlier. I, I saw the tweet. I can't visualize the school. Um, but uh, – yeah, that, that's another opportunity. So educate people, BJ, on what happens at this stage. These guys are going to go into mini camp. What happens from that point? Uh, educate people who don't know how this process usually works uh, after this draft and going into mini camps. Okay, so you have two two sets of guys. You have guys who sign undrafted free agent contracts. You have guys who are minicamp invites, all right? Those undrafted free agents will actually make a little money, not a lot. Um, but those are players that the teams basically say, hey, if we had another pick or two, you, you know, you'd, you'd be a shoe-in, though. You, you're on our board. You're one of the guys that we really want, we really want to look at we like. Uh, minicamp invites is basically I'm inviting you to try out the trial. Um, we're going to bring you in um, for this, this mini camp. We'll evaluate you and we'll let you know. We'll bring you back uh, for additional camps. When we, we, we have our fall camp, um, we'll let you know if, if we'll bring you back, you know, at that time. So uh, you undrafted free agents, those guys are a priority for those teams. Uh, mini camp invites, um, basically inviting you to try out so you can try out. Is it usually a one-day thing or is it a weekend thing? What are you, I mean, they get to come it's, in? It's usually, it's, it's usually a uh, Friday-Saturday uh, deal or Saturday-Sunday deal. It's just a two-day deal. Okay. So you, you, get, you get a real job interview. I mean, so it's like you can't have any missteps. You come in, nope. it's like everything's got to be polished, clean, one misstep and it might cost you basically, right? Might might cost you because you gotta think, man, they, they, those teams have those undrafted free agents that they already, you know, have and you know they, they, at that mini camp, you know, it's a bunch of guys coming out to that mini camp. They're only looking uh to 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 bring probably maybe maybe additional, I don't know, five, six guys from that from that rookie camp. Um, you know, from from everyone they, they bring into that camp. So yeah, man, it's it's you'll be scrutinized, and and your margin for error is small. Now let me ask you this, BJ. With the uh, obviously the off-season training rules have changed over the last couple of years, even since you uh, since you tried to get into the league a few years ago, and now with the reduction in the preseason games and the fall the the the, re- the regular training camp. How much of an uphill battle will it be for these guys to uh, to get in there to to get looks? Because you, I mean, let's be realistic. You may only get three, four reps in a whole day on the field. <laughs> you know, I'm just being realistic about it. So. 
it's hard, man, because when you take away those preseason games, man, that people always say, hey, man, the unintended consequences is, is that you will hurt a lot of those guys that are trying to make the roster and show what they can do. Um, and when many uh, – with you don't have much activity in camp anymore. All that stuff has been cut. That hurts those guys that's trying to make a roster. Um, it, it, it hurts. The, you know, the guys who, who got it made, they, they, you know, they know where they stand. It doesn't hurt them. Um, it helps them. Hey, let's list stuff that I, that I have to do. Uh, more, you know, time I can spend around the family. Don't have to do some of this stuff. But when you're literally job interviewing, you want as many opportunities as you can get. If I can get six reps instead of two, those additional four make a difference because all, all it takes is one rep to, to turn ahead. Uh, so uh, it's, it's, it's definitely more difficult now. And one last thing. What about the fact that, let's be real, you've probably been a starter your entire life. You've been a, you've been a one your entire life. You're going to the NFL. Number one, you you may be asked to play a different position. You may be asked to play special teams, and you probably may have never even played special teams in high school or in college because you were always wanted. You were always with the ones or the twos or something like that. So, what what about that transition and being asked to play a different position, or even like we see some of them, you can play quarterback. Now we invite you to camp. But we invite you to camp as as a receiver, not as a quarterback, where you played your entire life. What about some of those challenges uh, that these players would have to ascertain? It's difficult. Um, it's it's not only difficult because you're asking me to do something different. It's difficult difficult mentally because you think, man, I I thought I was good. <laughs> you know, man, I thought I was good. Like I mean, apparently that I'm I'm not. Um, it, it's a lot of guys get caught up not just because of the physical, it's the, it's the mental. For the first time in my life, I'm, I'm not the man. I've never had to do that. I've been playing this game since I was five, six years old. I'm 22 now. I've been the man the whole time. And to get into a place where you feel like, man, this is different, and when you, you get there and you see guys, real professionals do it, the first time you see it, it's humbling. Because the first time you see it, you, you you realize you see the game, you know what it is, but it looks completely different. And I don't care who you are, if you're a first round draft pick, the first pick, there's an adjustment period for you to get up to that speed and to get up to that quality. And it's you have to deal with that and I have to learn a new position. And I have to learn this new terminology. I have to throw out all the stuff that I've learned the last th- three or four years, you know, three or four Playbook years. Playbook three, four times as thick as you've ever seen before. <laughs> right. Playbooks looks like a thesaurus. And you're expected to know all of these things. You got to know all of them. And and it's your job. And, and that's what coaches will say. It's your job. I want you to treat it like that. Um, I, David, uh, gotta, gotta give a shout out to, uh, David Garner on, on, uh, YouTube. Belon Richardson is the Alabama state track star that, uh, got the invite with the Tampa Bay Bucks. Uh, I believe he was also a wide receiver with, um, with Alcorn. 
but but I guess primarily track was his sport. But and I guess if you're able to run a four two eight, yeah, I might invite you out to camp. Let me, let me see. Can you can you <laughs> what can you do? I mean, like you like you said, you can't teach four two eight if you're out there yep. running that fast. What what does that look like if the ball gets in your hands and you know uh, with with who they have quarterbacking right now, uh, you know, and, and maybe who knows about the future. But um, that'll be interesting to see. Um, the last thing, BJ, before we let you go, big news this morning, Isaiah Land, uh, the reigning Buck Buchanan Award winner, SWAC Defensive Player of the Year, entered the transfer portal on the last day uh, to for any player that wanted to be eligible for the fall. Today, May 1, was the last day to enter the portal. Doesn't mean he's been contacted by any team. Doesn't mean he's leaving FAMU, but to put his name in the mix, uh, I saw Noah Biden also did the same. Grambling uh, quarterback, highly recruited guy. Uh, but for Land, do you think this? Uh, I, what What are your thoughts on that? But I'm uh, for me, I'm wondering, is that a product of what we saw yesterday or from this past weekend with the draft? What are your thoughts? It could be. It could be. Um, I think no one will know until we, you know, we actually get a statement from the young man, or he, he comes out. And, and this is why I tell people: maybe you get one opportunity to do this. I mean, you get one shot to do this. Kids are going to do what they feel is going to put them in the best position to get that shot. Whether what the moves that they make benefits them, if it's real or imaginative. If I feel like it's going to be benefit me, kids do it all the time. So it's going to be interesting um, to see what happens with Isaiah Land. Um, I thought that he'd do you know, pretty well at, at Florida A&M. Uh, Florida A&M wasn't the reason that kids didn't get drafted. Uh, when you get drafted, man, this is a very individual. What do you do on your skill set? How you, you've been developed? It's all on you. It's the, 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 the logo on the helmet doesn't get you drafted. The logo may get you some extra eyes. The logo may do some other things, but at the end of the day, man, you, you got to play ball. Texas got all the money in the world, all right? And for the last 20 years, the last 20 years, I looked it up before I came on with you guys, Texas have been, has been in the top 10 in recruiting, 18 of them. Been in the top 10. They've been in the top five for 13 of those years. Had nobody drafted yesterday. Wow! It ain't it, it ain't about where you go. It's about what you do and the work that you put in. That's how Joshua Williams was drafted out of Fayetteville State. It's about the work that you put in. Preach. Well said. Well said. Uh, BJ will be doing. I saw the. I saw the reminder. I think I. I think I had to save it on my phone. You're gonna be doing a Spaces, I believe, a Twitter Spaces. Are you doing it Monday night or Tuesday night? Well, I got – I'm doing one tonight. Tonight's really okay. – not, it's not sports related. Uh, but doing tomorrow night, we're going to be talking about the NFL draft, HBCUs, and, and so forth. And there's a, lot of, there's a lot of nonsense that's being floated out there, and it's uh, – honestly, it's just that. Uh, but just to really talk to help really people understand, I'm going to have a few guys from the SWAC – uh, me and guys have gone through the process and know what it's like, um, know how difficult um, it is. Um, it just kind of educates some people and, and 
I've seen some ridiculous things online. And I appreciate how you try to bring people home because, you know, you and I are in the same places in cyberspace with some in these same chats and message boards. And I I, I just be looking like, BJ going to chime in here soon and going to get these people wake up. It's just like you just slap them over the head. Like, what are you thinking about? Uh, what what's tonight's topic about? You mentioned it. It's not necessarily sports related. What what do you got on the agenda for tonight? Where do we go from here? Um, the, the, you know the um, as far as like Black America, I think you know one of the things that really triggered me to do this is that man, we've been seeing a lot of violence um, happen. We we just saw uh, someone lose their life at the fair at Jackson, Mississippi. We just saw here in Atlanta, eleven year old was shot in the back of the head. At the skating rink, and the assailant was a thirteen-year-old. Um, so, just really, um, you know, some of the things that we're seeing—violence in our community. You know, where do we go here uh, as the, the black community? Um, and where, you know, where is the responsibility? Where you know, say it takes a village. Um, and kind of what happens when the village gets to a certain level and the village leaves. And then, you know, you, you leave, you know, that talented 10th leaves and that talented 10th, you know, keeps leaving. And then what, what do you have left? So just really talking about that, um, just kind of some changes that we can make, mentorship and so forth. Nice. What time are you starting up? I'll be 8 p.m. Uh, 8 p.m. Eastern. 8 p.m. Eastern. All right. So pretty much after we get done, uh, 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 Central, Make sure if you're not following BJ uh, at Inside HBCU F Ball is where you can find. Get on Twitter. Um, get on your phone. Get on your phone apps. I, I'm not sure Twitter has made spaces on the on the desktop or on the laptops, but if not, can't even do it on the iPad. Yeah, so you got to get on your it's phone. Twitter Spaces. Get on your phone app. You can listen. Uh, great conversation, and I know. Like I said, last week's show was was epic. Uh, many people were up dragging the next day uh, because of how great the conversations were. And I'm sure not only tonight, but tomorrow night will be similarly uh, impressive conversations. I don't know if they'll go as long, but they'll be just as good. So uh, I look forward to be uh, tuning in uh, tonight and tomorrow night. Uh, thank you, BJ, for uh, joining us. And uh, we look forward to hearing you and the rest of your your guests and a great commentary over the next couple of days. All right. All right, man. Appreciate you guys having me, man. And uh, keep doing, keep up the good work, man. I love you guys. Show, man. Yes, sir. Appreciate Thank you, you much. Thank you much. Let's take a break. All come right. back uh, and close up the show. You're watching the BCSN Sports Wrap. We'll be back in just a moment. At Tyson, we know taste is local. Some like their beef pit smoked, their chicken spiced all the way up, or their pork sweet and saucy. Local flavors, global impact. That's what feeding the world is all about. Time to call a credit repair company to fix my credit. Hold the phone, man. You can do it yourself with Credit Versio. That's way too hard. Call the credit repair company. Most credit repair companies only work on one or two accounts at a time, making it slow and expensive. You won't figure that out for months. <laughs> Ignore him. Credit Versio's brilliant software scans all three credit bureaus, finds the accounts that are hurting your score, and guides you through the entire process. Anyone can do it. Let's fast forward and see the results. Wow, I fixed my own credit and saved hundreds. You can do this. Visit creditversio.com. 
five-star backyards, Yellowwood brand pressure-treated pine. If it doesn't have this yellow tag, you don't want it. For 200 years, Montgomery, Alabama has been making history by people who had the courage to stand up for change. Today, this riverfront city has been reborn, embracing the past and looking forward to the future. From the National Memorial for Peace and Justice to the stage of the Alabama Shakespeare Festival, this is where history was and is made. We are proud to call Montgomery home, and together, we can be the change. Some carriers will give you just one measly entertainment subscription. One is no fun. With Verizon, there's up to seven entertainment subscriptions with your unlimited plan. That's seven times the... <laughs> seven times the... No, no. Seven times the... Yeah. Music, gaming, Disney+, Plus, Hulu, ESPN+, Plus, and more. That's seven times the entertainment. Because everyone deserves better. And with plans starting at just $35, better cost less than you think. Major. Black College Ball School's baseball championship will be crowned at the Tyson Food and Black College in New York City. Albany State University, Bluefield State College, Everwater University, Florida Boyd University, Kentucky State University, Biles College, Russ College, and Talladega College will battle it out at Montgomery, Alabama's Riverwalk Stadium from May 11th through 14th for Black College Baseball's ultimate prize. Tickets are on sale now at www.blackcollegechampionships.com. Okay, welcome back to the BCSN Sports Wrap. Brian and AD, special thanks again to Brandon B.J. Jones. Uh, make sure you're following him at Inside HBCU Foot F-Ball. And you check out those uh, Twitter spaces. Again, uh, one of the different mediums that uh, you can find some good content on. Uh, I know last week they got into talking about uh, – what was the main thing? It was coming off of the um, TV rights, media rights, and things of that nature. Um, that got conversation went deep into the night. I, I think they may have started around seven or eight, but that that thing went about three hours. I know there were people dragging and complaining <laughs> about about how long it was. Good stuff. Good stuff. You were you were what did you say, Drew? Good thing they didn't have to go to work in the morning. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. No, I know a few people did. So, again, his Twitter spaces, they'll be 8 o'clock tonight, Eastern, 7 Central tonight, uh, non-football topics, but uh, tomorrow will be the football uh, topic uh, du jour. So, uh, two good nights of Twitter spaces by BJ. All right, uh, Drew, uh, some random news and notes. Uh, uh, Not random stories, though. So, what do we got? Start off with North Carolina A&T track as the men's 4 by 100 meter relay team broke the beat record at the Drake Relays Friday to highlight an outstanding showing for the Aggies men and women's outdoor track team. The 4 by 1 team of senior 
Tavares Williams, Junior Randolph Ross Jr., Senior Daniel, Daniel Stokes, and sophomore Javante Harney ran a beat record 38-84 in the third heat to qualify for the uh, for the finals. A&T's 4 by one came into the beat ranked number two in the nation at 38-61. Uh, the University of Florida is ranked number one at 38.47. Ross also uh, won the 400 with a time of 44.95. And his freshman teammate, uh, Raheem Hales, placed six with a 47.75. Uh, DeShayla McDuffie won the women's 200 with a time of 23.44. So, uh, and Corey Poole won the men's 400 hurdles with a 50.27. So, A&T doing some big things in track. So, you think that was good on Friday? Let's go to to Saturday. Uh, freshman Grace, and I am going to mispronounce his name, and it's not on purpose. Wakocha won the women's 100 at 11.98. And the men's 4x4 came in at 305.81. The women's 4x4 came in third with a 340.34. So uh, those are some track notes that we have from North Carolina A&T as we looked at the big boys and they start to gear up for the Nationals. You could have blamed any type of uh, mess up on your uh, audio, Drew, because, uh, you know, you're, you know, I, I couldn't tell whether the name was right or wrong uh, because I think you went digitized at the moment uh, and you said <laughs> it. So, you know, you, <laughs> you anyway, but uh, shout out to North Carolina A&T. While we're talking about track, you know, we always love it when athletic departments tag uh, at my BCSN one. And so when you have uh, big events that happen or news you want to share via Twitter or Instagram, we encourage and want them tag tag us. I mean, you know, a lot of times I see people tag other people and that's great, you know, but don't forget us, you know, at my BCSN one and uh, one of our shows, we'll pick it up. We'll talk about it. And so thanks to Xavier University, and while we were talking about track, I got to make mention of the uh, Xavier Gold Rush and the Xavier Gold Nuggets um, for their performances in the uh, Red River Athletic Conference Track Championships. The men won their first conference team title since 2004. And the women have won their uh, fifth consecutive conference team title and eighth in the last nine years. Now, of course, that's over two conferences as uh, Xavier was formerly uh, a part of the GCAC last year. So uh, Xavier uh, continues to roll that on the heels of their women's uh, or not their women's, but just their cheer squad. Uh, winning a national championship 
in NEIA, uh, what was it, one or two weeks before uh, Xavier. Yeah, competitive cheer. Yeah, competitive and, cheer. And, I tell you, Z. And you can go to that interview on uh, Inside the HBC Sports Lab. It's Thursday to uh, as we talked to uh, Coach Cast and uh, Dr. Gaville and I on Inside the HBC Sports Lab. Yeah, they uh, they um, they were recently recognized uh, by the city of New Orleans. Of course, back on March 12th, they won Xavier's first ever NAIA national team championship April in 12th. any sport. I didn't hear what you said. What? That was April. That was April. You said March. It was April 12th. Oh, okay, yeah, April 12th. Well, I was reading a tweet. So the tweet said March, so I was reading the tweet. So, uh, but okay. So anyway, but congratulations to Xavier um, on, on that accomplishment. What else you got? Uh, legendary women's pioneer C. Vivian Stringer is retiring after 50 years and 1,055 wins as a head coach. Stringer, a wow. Smith Memorial Basketball Hall of Famer, guided her teams to Kyle O'Brien, 28 NCAA tournament appearances, and four Final Four bursts across her story career. And why is this a story on the BCSN Sports Wrap? Because she began her career at Cheney State, in addition to coaching in Iowa and most recently Rutgers. So uh, Vivian Stringer, was the first men's or women's basketball coach to guide three different programs to the Final Four uh, at Cheney State, where she coached from 71 to 83, to the first NCAA tournament championship game in 1982. The women's tournament did not begin until 1982, and she was was there when they fell to Louisiana tech in the finals and then of course she had her career at iowa and most recently at Rutgers. but we're just going to focus on the uh the cheney state portion of it one one last thing 21 wnba draft picks right hold on a second hold on hold on hold on hold on hold on before you oh you mean that's what she she produced 21 wnba I lost you there. Uh, I got a little muffled for a second. What were you saying? You were was the WNBA story part of the Vivian Stringer story, or were you transitioning to something else? Yes. No, did she at twenty. I just had the number twenty eight. Okay. Twenty one WNBA draft picks. Uh, she coached twenty one WNBA draft picks. All right. All right. Your your audio is horrible. Um. But anyway, yeah. No. The uh. The uh. <laughs> 40-year the anniversary, of course, of her leading Cheney to the women's national championship game is, um, I, I and I forget where I saw, I was trying while you were talking about it, the tweets um, that uh, was really, I mean, just on the, on the eve of Dawn Staley winning that national championship for South Carolina and 40 years after Vivian Stringer and uh, leading that Cheney squad. Um, there's some great, there's some great historical stuff there. 
if you're interested and wanting to go back and read or just maybe educate somebody younger or maybe somebody who might have missed being a part of that, uh, it's a good some good info that's out there. Uh, um, I don't know if you heard number 21 WNBA draft picks played for uh, Vivian Stringer during her uh, coaching career. You said 21? 21. All right. All right. Um, okay. And uh, September 1 is when she's actually stepping down. I was just looking at the tweet there. So. All right. Let, let's do this. Let's get into the final part. Drew, do something with your audio in because it's, it's putting in a lot of feedback here. And I don't know if people can really hear what I'm saying. So I want to go to the top five here. Still getting a lot of echo in, in the digitization. So I don't know. Can you can you do something on your end? All right. Well, I'm gonna try to power people. Appreciate you there. There you go. That's a little bit better. Well, maybe it's not. Okay, we're gonna power through. Appreciate you guys hanging in there with us as we go through a few technical difficulties with our audio. Not our best work, but you know we, we work all the same. Um, <laughs> um, baseball. They, uh, let me go back. Let me start with the softball, ladies. Right, because uh, this is the updated Division One women's uh, Division One softball ranking. We will be publishing the women's D2 at NAIA um, a little bit uh, later. So the only one I have live right now is the women's D1 top five. So the top five in softball for women. Drew, can you can you mute yourself? Mute yourself. I'm hearing a lot of echo, and I, I think that might be going out over the air. There we go. All right. So, and if it wasn't, I'm sorry. Okay, so top five in softball. We'll start number five with Norfolk State with a total record, uh, win-loss record of 28 and 21, 16 and five in conference. Number four is Howard University, 24 and 20 with uh, 17 and four conference record. Bethune-Cookman of the SWAT with, uh, comes in at number three, 24 and 23 overall. 18 and 6 in the conference. Now, the top two are divided by just a point in our polls. Uh, number two is Texas Southern. Uh, Texas Southern. Wow. Okay, I'm sorry. Just got a text, and I'm like, should be reading text while I'm doing the show. Texas Southern, number two, <laughs> with a 22 and 17. When I, when I tell you what this text is you're going to say whoa too uh 22 and 17 record 21 and 3 in conference number one team in softball division one is morgan state by just a point over texas southern they have an overall record of 27 and 13 conference record of 18 and 3 one note about uh, texas southern brian uh, yes. Texas Southern actually has 24 wins, but only 22 of those are on the Division One level. Right, and it should be noted, Bethune-Cookman of that top five has the toughest strength of schedule in uh, softball uh, in the top five. 
Uh, only Tennessee State and North Carolina A&T have a tougher uh, ranking. Now, again, the Division II softball and NAIA softball, those will be updated and released later. Let's go to baseball. Top five. These are the top five. These are the latest. These are updated as of today, I believe. Correct, Drew? Correct. This is about 3 o'clock okay. today. Uh, of course, all five teams are part of the SWAC, including the teams, uh, the two nearest teams that are just on the outside of the top five. Number five is Grambling State, overall 17 and 23, 14 and 6 in conference. Number four, Bethune Cookman, with uh, 19 and 23 overall record, 13 and 8 in conference play. Um, what's interesting, Bethune-Cookman has no games played against any HBCUs um, from outside of the SWAC, I'm assuming. Is that is that Correct. what that is, Drew? Uh, interesting. Correct. But they have, the, they have the second toughest strength of schedule in, uh, in the nation behind North Carolina A&T. Number three, Florida A&M moves up to number three with a 20 and 23 record, uh, 14 and six in conference. Rattlers got a sweep over Mississippi Valley State this past weekend. Number two is Prairie View AM. Overall, 22 and 18, 17 and four in conference play. Uh, I believe that's leading the SWAC West. Leading the SWAC East is Alabama State. They are number one now. 23 and 17 overall, 15 and 3 in conference. Uh, anything you want to add there before I move? Well, uh, just remind everybody once again on the Division One level, we uh, we only count wins versus other Division Ones. So some of these records okay. may be all uh, from what you see on the website. Now, number uh, Division Two baseball. Now, number five, skip, the team coming skip, in. Skip, skip, five. Number, skip number five. Skip number five is actually the number six on the sheet that you look at, the one right below the line. Number five is so on, the other, on the other matrix. Okay, because I was going to say they should be part of the NAIA, what you're saying. Okay, so yeah. Uh, yeah. West Virginia State comes in at number five with a record of 21 and 17, 13 and 12 in conference. Number four. Kentucky State, uh, they uh, be uh, going to the Black College uh, World Series. The Tyson, Tyson Foods Black Foods. College World Series. 20 and 20 record, 15 and 11. Miles College uh, comes in at third, uh, in third, 23 and 21 record, 19 and 10 in conference play. Albany State is in second with a 27 and 12 record, 24 and 5. And number one, still number one, is Savannah State. 32 wins on the year, 27-2 and two conference record. Um, only a 1-3 and three record against HBCUs outside of the uh, SIAC. And then over on the NAIA side, the top five starts with Payne College at number five. Total record of 18-14. and 14. Edward Waters, number four, with an even 23 and 23 record. They will be going, participating in the Titan Foods Black College World Series. So will number three, Caladega, 18 and 25 overall, 8 and 16 in conference. 
but they are six and zero against HBCUs outside of their conference, and they have the number two toughest baseball strength of schedule. Interesting. Number two, Florida Memorial, another participant of the Tyson Foods Black College World Series, twenty-three and twenty record, ten and thirteen conference, uh, number one strength of schedule in uh, HBCU baseball, and that's a product of that tough Sun Conference that they play in down there in South Florida. And then Russ College, the Bearcats, come in number one, 16. What is this point? What is this? Uh, a tie somewhere? They have a tie. Uh, yes, they have a 16, tie. 16, 13, and 1, 7 and 0 in conference, um, 8, 5, and 1 against uh, HBCU schools outside of their conference. All four of our top four teams appear to be playing in the uh, BCWS, and that's it. Uh, Drew, any uh, uh, good show? I would say one note about Talladega, also in a tough conference in that Southern States Conference. You, know, you mentioned them with the second uh, toughest stretch of schedule. The, uh, the Southern State Conference probably rivals the Sun Conference as far as power within that conference. Okay. Okay. Again, more clarification on our, uh, our track athlete from, uh, uh, Balan Robinson, uh, David Garner clarified for me, because I think I had said, I, I swear I saw a graphic that said Balan Robinson played wide receiver at Alcorn, but he did not play football according to David Garner. But he he said he can run and leave everybody, to which I a beautiful <laughs> reply. To which Jaron Griffin says he gets a chance like Ronaldo Nehemiah did. Why do I, Karen? Skates. Shout out to Karen Griffin for the Ronaldo Nehemiah reference. That is the name reference of the day. Shout out to Karen Griffin for a recall. Question is, Drew, do you remember what team? Ronaldo Nehemiah played for. Now, I want to say the San Francisco 49ers. I think you were correct. Yes, I think you were correct. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think it was. Don't forget, the, was all- don't forget the best forget track what? athlete that turned, uh, f- the, the best track athlete that played football. Bullet Bob well, Hayes. I mean, yeah, but well, but Bob Hayes also played football. I think what I think where we're going with is track guy who probably didn't play college football, who went from playing college, uh, who went from track to football. Um, And like I said, I I I promise to be more up on Belon Robinson. uh, More appreciate you, David Garner, uh, uh, Derek White, even. yeah, they, Derek White's chiming in and saying, I'm thinking he didn't even play football at LSU. I guess he was always been a track guy. So um, that's awesome. That is awesome. Um, Ronaldo Nehemiah. Wow. That is a throwback name from – that's like if you followed football in the 80s, you just I think knew, he got about, right? what, three, year, three or four years in, though, didn't he? he? He won a Super Bowl. He was on one of those Super Bowl teams. He was on one, yeah, oh, but he, he didn't have a long career, but he had a 
fuck real. I think he had. I know he got at least three in. I want to say uh, he, was, he might have been on the uh, the '85 team, the second Super Bowl. I know yeah. he was on the second Super Bowl team. Yeah. Um. So. Yeah. Let me see. Hold on. I'm 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 looking it up real quick. Okay. He played. For, yes. Of course. Yeah, okay, so, bam, we're all right here. Yes, he played football. Uh, he played for the 49ers. He did win a Super Bowl, okay? Uh, he played in 40 games. He actually caught 43 passes for uh, an average of 17.5 yards per reception, scored four touchdowns. This was from 82 to 84, so he was part of the – the, the, uh, the yes, the eighty four team. That was his last year playing football. Um, in terms of return yards, because oh well, you know why he, you know why he didn't play after that because they went and drafted some kid from out of Mississippi Valley State, and that's why Ronaldo <laughs> was no longer needed. <laughs> if you do the timeline, that, that, there it is. There it is. Uh, he had. Uh, I wonder who that was. Yeah, I wonder who that was as well. Um, I'm looking to see, did he really make a great impact in terms of return yards? No, I'm, you know, just reading off some info on Pro Football Reference. Uh, he did okay, you know, more so receiving yards. He played a full eight, 16 games in 83 and 84. Uh, never started more than three games. That was his rookie season. But uh, Nehemiah was also the uh, 100 ranked uh, number one in the 110 meter hurdles. So I believe he won an Olympic gold medal in the Pan Am Games of 79 and the IAAF World Cup in Montreal. Probably was robbed of an opportunity to compete in the 1980 Olympics. Those Olympics, the U.S. boycotted. Uh, because I think they were in Russia. So that would have been his opportunity to get an Olympic gold medal, which uh, didn't happen. And so, uh, yeah, yeah. One, but he held he held world records. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight world records um, during his uh, track running. And here's why we all remember Ronaldo Nehemiah. He was the only four-time winner of the Superstars, a made-for-television decathlon-style competition <laughs> on ABC Sports. He won the event in 81, 82, 83, and 86. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is why Ronaldo Nehemiah is our name of today. Shout out to Karen Griffin for bringing that up. And wow. So, Brian, let's pick up right. this show and get out of that note. <laughs> all right, let's pick up our bags and get out of here. Uh, any final any final thoughts as we close out? Uh, Wednesday, 7 o'clock Eastern, 6 o'clock Central. The final Road to Montgomery show will take place, and we will announce the seeds in the Tyson Foods Black College World Series and break down the teams for the Tyson Foods Black College World Series. And of course the following Wednesday we'll we'll be we'll be live from 
Montgomery, Alabama, beginning at 9 a.m. Eastern, excuse me, 10 a.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. Central with the first pitch. Next week, we go into the career of Willie Galt, uh, another track man who turned into NFL player. (laughs) You guys on YouTube got me going down a a dark rabbit hole, and I am loving everything about it because it's the 80s, and I love the 80s. That was my era. I grew up in the 80s, man. I love the 80s. Okay, that's going to do it for me. Interesting times, uh, lots of encouraging words. I look forward to keeping the discussion. Let's keep our let's keep our uh, enthusiasm tempered. Progress was made. Progress is progress. Um, so baby steps were taken, and I think we have to remember that. So let's not give up the dream. Uh, we will see more guys as more opportunities open uh, on professional leagues and at the professional level. We will see more HBCU guys get drafted, but uh, very important that we always encourage these guys to uh, get an education. And, um, you know, as BJ really pointed out, did a great job of pointing out that, uh, you know, a lot of guys are behind the eight ball, uh, not only on just being African-Americans, but men, uh, you know, and then going to a small school or an HBCU. So, look, you, you're working from – uh, you're working through adversity from the get-go in these leagues, and so you just got to make the most of it. And uh, I, I really enjoyed the hearing what Coach Prime said uh, in response to hearing the news of Isaiah Land uh, making the decision to transfer. But then again, we don't know all the background on it, and it's just an opportunity. So we don't know if the grass is greener, but we don't know if there's cash involved. We don't know if it was related to this weekend. So, so much unknown. So let's not speculate too hard or harder than we normally do. Watch out for those Twitter spaces. Watch out for the other shows. Make sure you follow, like, and subscribe at MyBCSN1, the number one. Go download the Jericho Broadcast Network's app on your Google and Apple Play Store by searching MyJBN, MyBCSN, and download the BCSN Pod Zone everywhere you listen and watch podcast. Just search. BCSN Pod Zone. For AD Drew, who's also producer today and my co host, uh, I'm Brian Fulford. Thanks for watching the Sports Wrap. Special shout out again to BJ Jones for joining us today. We are out. Peace out. Well, holla. But